Hey everybody, this is Joseph, one of the pastors at the First Presbyterian Church of Flint, and I wanted to welcome you to our sermon podcast. Each week, this show features the latest sermons preached here at First Pres, and we hope that they encourage you in your faith and work as you listen. This fall, we're preaching a 10-week series of sermons called When Religion Fails, and we're using Jesus' teachings and parables from the Gospel of Luke to reconsider what it means to truly follow Christ. Here's this week's sermon. I'll repeat it. Merry Christmas. Christmas. Happy New Year. Year. (laughs) It's great great to be here with you all this morning. In my youth, my youth, I love to read the short stories of Edgar Allan Poe. Any EAP fans here who will admit it? Okay. I had a taste for the mysterious, for the macabre, for the writer, finding himself to be somewhat the same. Fall of the House of Usher, the pit and the pendulum, the black cat, the murders in the Rue Morgue. For the mid-1800s, these were like the criminal minds TV drama of today. My favorite of Poe's twisted tales, the telltale heart. That's the one in which the narrator fervently recounts his crime to disprove any report of him being mad or loony by sharing the detailed process he worked through to execute a murderous plot, the murder of an old man whom the narrator did not hate, but treated with warmth and with friendliness. The murder was not for vengeance or money, but to put an end to that old man's eye, an evil eye, a vulture eye, an eye, says the narrator, that sent a chill up and down the back and caused his blood to run cold every time the old man looked at him. He recounts his plan. He worked the plan, followed it through, killed the old man who died with a shriek and hid his body under the floorboards, careful not to leave any evidential trace of the crime. A neighbor, of course, hears the shriek, An investigation, of course, follows, but the narrator plays it cool, man. Calm, cool, collected. However, what what he cannot escape is the unremitting pulse of the old man's heart, which grows continually louder until it finally consumes the narrator's thought processes and he is sure that that the beat is heard by his inquisitors whom he takes now to only be playing him for a fool as they, they must know, they surely know where the body is hidden. Confession follows and the murderer's own doom is sealed. I love Edgar Allan Poe. And for some strange reason, the gospel story we just heard this morning, told us by Matthew, reminds me of the telltale heart. There's mystery, there's intrigue, and there is certainly macabre, downright horror, actually. And while that could be said for so many stories in Scripture, underneath the retelling of this story is the sound of a healthy, beating 
heart. A heartbeat that grows more loudly with each verse and rings in the ears of each character. That healthy beat pulses from the child, Jesus. And actually, his heartbeat continues to to drum steadily and and to grow more loudly throughout all of Matthew's gospel story, impressing itself upon everyone he meets. But in today's reading, the ones who here include those mystical magi, the murderous so-called King Herod, and the righteous Joseph, In the ears of each, this child's heart beats, pounds, hounds, and forces them to reckon with his presence. Faint at first, it slips into their thoughts, into their dreams, their plannings, their hopes, until it reaches its desired destination, their heart, the seat of their soul which becomes consumed by its steady, unrelenting beat, and so discloses their fate. For once having found its way into their heart, each character is is forced to respond to its thunderous resound with actions that expose their conscience, their their passion, expose their, their true love. The beating heart of Jesus is given either full reign so as to align their heart and mind and actions to its cadence, or it is to be resisted in an attempt to drown the driving beat out by that of their own will. But there's no escaping it. Every action in our text is a response to the incessant beat of the heart that drums from the child who centers the story. The mystical magi hear the beat from afar while studying the night skies and are drawn to rediscover its source, the one who has come into the world as king of the Jews. They read the stars and they learn his lineage traces back through through generations, through Zadok and Josiah and Hezekiah and Solomon and David and Ruth and Rahab and Tamar and Jacob and Isaac and Abraham, through whom the kingdom was birthed by God, who pounded out a blessed beat in a covenant that could not be silenced. This divine promise sounded out through the heavens and reverberated into the earth's core in order to to shake out any and all rhythms but its own. This covenant was the cadence by which Abraham and his offspring were to travel in the world, the, the meter that would guide them through the world to a place of peace with God, with neighbor, a home, filled to the gills with life, with abundance for all, not only for themselves, but for all the world. The Magi heard that distant cadence and traveled across field and fountain, moor and mountain to locate its source, and they find it in this child named Jesus. And upon hearing his wee heart 
pulsate with power that reached the farthest ends of creation. Those, those wise men bow joyfully before him and worship, even as they present their offerings, the greatest offering being that of their hearts and their minds, their whole selves, to move now to the beat of his heart hearts and their minds and their whole selves. How do you know that, Paul? Where do you get that? How do I know? Because in their search to find the source of that cosmic heartbeat that had now taken up human flesh on earth, they had first come to Herod, the one the world understood to be king of the Jews. Upon their departure, however, they did not return to the worldly king but followed the cadence of the child which led them to their own country by another road. And boy, oh boy, did that infuriate Herod. His pride was wounded as he felt himself deceived, felt himself played as a child by those foreign mystics. Angered and frightened, Herod lashed out wildly for blood, which tells us that faint heartbeat was heard by Herod as well. But rather than wanting to search out its source for himself so he might too bow down and worship, he found the beat unrelenting as it ate away at his ego, as it reverberated all the way into his soul so as to shake away any regal pretense he clung to. Herod's response tells where his heart lie. King Herod, now hounded by the child's presence in the world, in his world, the pure and rightful heir to the title claimed with impunity by Herod as his own, Herod sets out to destroy the threat that dare challenge the image he has of himself and the position of power he has claimed. Not for the sake of the world does he set out to find him. Not for the sake of even his own kin, but for the sake of his ego, for the sake of his bombastic, gassy, destructive ego. The heartbeat of that child, yet too young to know the threat he posed, too young to flee on his own for safety, too young to protect himself, too, too young to, to threaten anyone except those who took offense to him by his very existence. Still hidden in the fold of his mother's arms and cooed over by Joseph, the child's heartbeat grew louder and heavier in Herod's ear, a faint whisper at first until it worked its way into his brain, consuming his thoughts, his dreams, as, as it posed a dire menace to his own plans and his own schemes for respect, for power, for authority. And the beat finally reached its desired destination, Herod's heart, the seat of his soul, and offers him a choice, continue 
to march to the deceptive cadence established by your own power-grubbing, bloody lust and ostentatious displays of vainglory, to choose the beat of this self-centered cadence was the road to perdition. The other choice? For Herod to allow himself to be consumed by this newly heard rhythm, that of the beating heart of the Christ child, to choose this way would mean Herod must allow himself to have the hell scared out of him. But what would be left of him would be life. Life centered in the righteous way of God and bound with other people in cords of human kindness. You heard the choice Herod made, and so you know his fate. He slaughters the innocents, and as befalls all such pompous asses, Herod dies. And the child's heartbeat continues on, grows stronger, in fact. The beat made way into righteous Joseph, who has been moving steadily already to its meter and, and lived to walk by that ancient promise spoken through God's word for the sake of the world, through the people to whom Joseph belonged. And Joseph saw it even in the face of dangerous adversity, sought to follow that rhythm and to live in obedience to God. We hear in our scripture that the beat not only guided his waking moments, but also his sleep, his dreaming. Joseph, who had submitted to that heartbeat and did not try to run from it, did not try to silence it, did not try to cash it in for something less risky and seemingly more advantageous to his own life and personal achievement. Joseph understands the beat of this child's heart is swaddled in God's promise of old and has been entrusted into his care. This child and his mother are what truly matter in the world. And Joseph, is willing to venture with them into the dark night to leave his homeland, his family, and all the familiar comforts of the already known in order to protect this precious gift and preserve the promise that had been passed down for him to tend well and to nurture so that it might, so that the child might fulfill the rescue mission God had sent out with, on Ab with Abraham, Joseph, the child Jesus, and his mother are part of that divine plan, and the drum they beat is in rhythmic sync with God's ancient beat given to Abraham and his descendants in order to guide their way in the world, to lead them through the world to the place of peace prepared for us with God and with neighbor, a home filled to the gills with life, with plenty for all. God's promise was for all the earth, 
So even down in Egypt land, the reverberations echoed in order to guide those who heard and followed, even as it shook out persons, plans, and systems that resisted its resounding, life-giving cadence. Not mentioned already, but needing to be, are Rachel and her wailing kinfolk, the innocent bystanders in the story. Every such horrific tale has innocent bystanders, the ones who are minding their own business and yet are swept up by tragedy, the salt of the earth, the the poor ones who work hard to eke out an honest living, the the ones not raising a ruckus, not, not inciting any action in attempts to grab hold of more than they've been allotted in the world, the ones not grabbing for more but go about with what they've got not chasing some warped vision of power and freedom and pleasure that excludes others from the party, but those who find themselves being acted upon as pawns in such greedy grabs of those who've been given power in the world, the well-heeled who were born well-advantaged and well-positioned and use that accidental position to prey upon whoever and whatever happens to stand in the way of their own wants. In the way, like Rachel and her kin, who dream of simply living out their years to the beat of a divine promise of meaningful work and enough to share their days together in peace, like children who haven't yet had opportunity to dream dreams that venture beyond the arms of their mothers, their fathers, and who blessedly know nothing yet of the degradation of being somebody else's political pawn, somebody's tool, know nothing yet of the horrors of being viewed as inconsequential, disposable by powers and forces that choose to manipulate their life, manipulate their death for their own personal gain. For these innocents, the Christ child's heart beats, though painfully, sorrowfully, His heart beats in sync with theirs as he himself has come to live as one among them, one who belongs to them and to their fate, one who is also learning what it means to be caught up in the tragedy of the world, to be considered disposable, even as he is carried off into the night by his mother and Joseph, running for their life. His heart beats in sync with the innocent swept up in the pain of the world, and he is one, along with his mother, who will all too soon come to know the agony of bearing the injustice of political intrigue, the burden of worldly powers on the hunt to control and drown out the God-given cadence in order to have the world move in lockstep to its own graceless rhythm, drawn up from a cradle 
lined with straw, to be led by Joseph who follows the way to safety, swaddled in his mother's arm. The child is held preciously and tenderly in that place of nourishment so he might grow into all he is to become might grow into what God has created us all to become, the true human who suckle not only at our mother's breast, but upon the milk of divine love God offers in the cadence given to guide our way in the world, to lead us through the world, to that place prepared for us in which there is peace with God and with neighbor, that home filled to the gills with life, with plenty for all. The heartbeat of the child, Jesus, centers Matthew's gospel story. From throughout his gospel structure, it emanates from the walls. It it drops gently down from the ceilings. It, It rises up from the floorboard so as not to miss a single person, but but rather to make way into any and every person encountered with the opportunity to, to follow a cadence by which they might move in the world to his beat, which is filled with life. The cadence echoes in the words of the man, Jesus, through his years, guides his hands to heal and to bless, to forgive and to welcome, even in the midst of opposition. And that beat he continues to be in step with, even as he ascends Golgotha's hill, that lonely climb to the place where his hands, which are formed to bless, and his feet, which are peace-shod, will be nailed to the rough wooden stake, the place where he will be dropped into a hole with a thud, and the beat he carries be silenced. And in that moment, it seems that the Herods and the madcaps of the world who seek to quiet his maddening din from causing such commotion in their hearts and consuming them with fear as they attempt to overwhelm its beat, it it seems that at that moment they have been victorious. Sheer silence. But only for a moment. For from within that sealed tomb in which his body has been concealed, the the most miraculous event takes place. The the divine breath blows into his lifeless corpse and, and that beat begins again more loudly and even more surely than before. For friends, Christ is risen. Oh man, that's good. We're not even near Easter. Christ is risen. God's rescue plan has come to fruition for the sake of Abraham and his descendants, for the sake of the world. Listen, the heart of Christ continues to beat, yet today. It cannot, it will not, never be stopped. It beats for the world. It beats for us. Beats for you, 
for me to work its way into our ears and our minds and our dreams and our hands and our feet until finally reaching our hearts so as to not fill us with fear, but to reveal to us who we truly are, God's very own, God's beloved. Listen, do you hear it? Just as that life-giving cadence rang out for the Magi and Herod and Joseph to hear, so it rings out for you to lay down your arms, your resistance to him, to surrender to his cadence, God's cadence, and allow him to guide your way in the world so that together we might move through the world to that place of peace with God and neighbor, to live together in that home filled to the gills with life, with abundance and more than enough for all. By his heartbeat, we can either live like the Magi and Joseph, or we can die like Herod. Can you hear it? Will you follow his way and discover the fullness of life he has prepared for you, even here and even now? Thanks for listening this week. The First Presbyterian Church of Flint is an historic downtown congregation proudly part of the Presbyterian Church USA, the largest Presbyterian denomination in the United States. You can learn more about us at fpcf.org. You can check out our weekly live stream broadcasts on our channel on YouTube. But better yet, you can stop by any Sunday at 10.30 a.m. to worship with us. We would love to welcome you and your family to worship. Have a great week.